The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad. A report from 2015 commissioned by the federal government found that most Canadian police forces don't receive sufficient training to de-escalate confrontations, especially with people experiencing mental health uh, issues. And that is a contributing factor in many fatal encounters with police. Well, an Edmonton-based company is working to change that. Pro-training is the only evidence-based de-escalation training in the world right now. It was developed by our next guest, Dr. Yasmin Kramadin, who is now delivering this training to police organizations across North America and other groups around the world. Dr. Kramadin, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. All right. Um, it seems I've been uh, asking a lot of our guests over the past week the same question to start our interview or to start our interviews. But I, I'm going to ask you the same thing, given what you do for a living, um, as you watch what is happening around the world south of the south of the border. It must give you a lot to think about right now. What's going through your mind? It definitely is giving me a lot to think about. As a human, I guess I've been feeling quite sick to my stomach after watching the news. Uh, but as an individual with expertise in de-escalation, I see this as an extremely complex issue. And I believe that there are kind of three things that exist, three pillars in preventing fatal encounters. And I believe they include a collaboration between policing, uh, between public health, as well as the public. Uh, so there's many pieces to the puzzle and it's just very complicated. Well, and it's interesting because we were just talking with Chief Chief McPhee and he talked about about some of those things, about public health and making sure that we have, you know, better community structures, all of that. Um, and I know that you have worked with the Edmonton Police Service uh, in, in years past and, and actually just recently as well. Um, I know that you say that respect and fairness are the foundation of positive interactions. You have a PhD in in psychiatry. You've been working in mental health and de-escalation training for, what, the last nine years or so. What was it that that drew you to this work? Oh, I'm extremely passionate about helping police and those they interact with. But I'm also extremely passionate about teaching communication skills. Uh, So what drew me to this work originally is... I have a background in psychology, so I grew up wanting to be a psychologist. Um, however, uh, with that, I, when I found research, I, I thought, my gosh, with research, I could help thousands of people at a time because not only do we create in-person training, but we create online training uh, versus as a psychologist, you can only do the one-on-one encounters yeah. and helping people. What what need did did you see there um, to focus on de-escalation training? Definitely. So there is a need to focus on de-escalation training. Um, as you were mentioning earlier, there isn't like police organizations um, need de-escalation training, um, and there wasn't very many de-escalation trainings available at the time uh, that was evidence based. So that is why we decided um, in collaboration with EPS during my PhD back in 2011 uh, to create an in-person de-escalation training using role play and actors. Um, And we found that uh, six months after training, we were able to decrease use of force, uh, physical force by 41% and weapon force by 26%. 
Yeah, some of those numbers that have come out of this training are absolutely astounding. But before we get into that, can you give us an idea, give, give my listeners an idea then, what does de-escalation training look like? What are you teaching um, officers? What are you teaching frontline workers in that training? What are the pillars of that? Right. So it's, it's definitely important um, with that piece of policing to focus on de-escalation so that it becomes reflexive. But what we actually teach in the de-escalation is communication that is respectful, that is empathetic, that starts very calm. So it's all about um, how you approach the situation uh, using both verbal and nonverbal body languages. Um, it's in addition to if you take the time to listen to somebody, listen, be empathetic, put yourself in their shoes and just really find out what the issue is. And so then you can work on those steps to, to fix it. You know, I just had a, a text from one of my listeners and said, you know what, my disorder can give me mental health issues. I have Asperger's. Is is there is there different um, things that you would teach officers and frontline workers, especially with dealing with, um, you know, a mental health issue compared to, um, let's say, um, a, a sex assault case that they were walking into? I mean, do you, do you go through different situations? There are different techniques that are taught depending on the situation. Um, most de-escalation strategies work well for all groups of individuals. But when it comes to mental health specifically, one really important thing that we need to do is kind of decrease stimulation in the environment. So if there's any noise, try and remove it. Um, if there are bright lights, try to dim them down. Maybe you might move them into a different room without anybody else to distract them. And you just need to focus on kind of more slow movements, just giving them more time and giving them more space. And, and you say you want this to become reflexive with, um, you know, the police officers and frontline workers. And, 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 that, and that means that it's just second nature. It's not something that they have to think about. It's just something that happens. Exactly. Yeah, we want it to be reflexive. We want these soft skills to be so ingrained in them that... Uh, they react with words, with communication, with questions instead of with force. You know, it's interesting when you were talking about um, turning down the lights, turning down stimulus, that sort of thing, and it reminded me of the Alec Manassian case in Toronto and the police officer that was lauded as a hero after that uh, and the way that he handled the situation. You know, if I remember correctly, um, it, when um, when uh, the, the suspect was saying, shoot me, the police officer put away his gun, he, he went straight to the police or to the police car turned off the sirens so those are the things that you're talking about exactly those are the things that i'm talking about okay so you have worked with canadian police services and associations as well as uh, american associations are there services out there that you believe are doing a really good job and, and practicing what they have learned definitely there's there's <laughs> good jobs all around um what i would say is right now i'm i'm hearing lots of good in the news. I'm hearing lots of bad in the news, but what I'm focusing on is um, there's lots of organizations that are letting individuals know that they are listening at this very difficult time. And listening is the most important part of 
the de-escalation process because it does show that empathy. It shows that support. You're basically <laughs> telling them that you hear them and that you're there to support them in making this better. I think one of the problems, Dr. Kramadine, is, is most of us aren't good listeners. We, we listen to talk instead of mm-hmm. just taking it all in. Isn't that the truth? True, yeah. As humans, we're problem <laughs> solvers. We, we jump straight to trying to fix the problem without even knowing what the problem is. Interesting. Um, So when you talk about changing behavior and you talk about the scenarios that they that they go through um, and then they would provide feedback. And so one of the ways that you could say that your work was evidence based is you went back after six months and you you checked in with officers and you looked at some of the numbers and they were really something else. As you mentioned, uh, you found after six months, uh, six months after the training, Physical force decreased 41%. Weapon force by 26%. Yasmin, those are big numbers. Those are big changes. They are definitely big changes. Yeah, we did both indirect and direct measurements of behavioral changes. One of the direct things that we did is we sent out surveys to all sergeants of the police organization, and they rated their employees on certain um, levels of, like, how are they able to de-escalate, communicate, interact with people that are aggressive and we did that before and after training as well and we found that those went down significantly by 10 percent or sorry they went up they were better able to by 10 percent and then also as you're mentioning we did behavioral measures that were more indirect uh, based on the data that we were given by police six months after training and we found those support decreases and, and one of the, one of some of the other things, which you know, this all goes together as well, that it, it increased officer confidence and efficiency in mental health calls. I mean, all of this together is good news. Knowing what to do, and then also having an officer that is more confident and and more aware of what to do. That's that all around is a good thing. It is definitely a good thing. Yeah, we want to be able to keep not only police but those they interact with safe. Um, I know many police officers and uh, they're very kind to me in, in that sort of way. So we need to support them as much as we can, but also support the public as much as we can. Have you noticed a, a difference? You've worked with both Canadian and uh, American police forces, international uh, police forces. Have you noticed a, a difference in the way they handle de-escalation training? Definitely. there There is a difference. Um, and it, what it comes down to is just the different context in Canadian versus U.S. Um, mm. If I could bring it in, in the sense of, I believe Canada has around 7 million firearms and the U.S. has about 300 million. Uh, so right off the get-go, you have police in the United States that are a bit more afraid because they don't really know what they're dealing with at that time. Yeah, without without a doubt. Um, and, and you're working with some other frontline workers as well. So not just police officers, but even groups like paramedics, that sort of thing. And, and is the same are the same techniques used there with them? Definitely some similar techniques. So I've been working with not only police, but uh, as you're saying, paramedics. I've made training for bus operators, for housing (laughs) workers, for frontline government employees. So the list is kind of endless, and I I really enjoy creating training. Uh, But most of the de-escalation strategies are the same. However, there are some that differ. 
I'm wondering if de-escalization training could be useful in just about every workplace around in some way. I mean, knowing how to handle a situation. Definitely. It's, I notice it everywhere just because I, I guess I train in de-escalation, <laughs> but from customer service to now putting, I guess, any sort of bills on hold, calling customer service there, you have banks, you have telephone, you have just all sorts of individuals. Um, Dr. Kramadine, so um, if if you were to just give a couple of tips then uh, for listeners, and and, uh, there might be a couple of police officers listening, they've gone through your training before, but just everyday listeners, um, what would they... What would they be when it comes to dealing with a situation? Maybe you're talking just customer service, making that phone call. Um, What would your tips be to them? The main tip I would say is ask lots of questions rather than jumping into trying to fix it right away. And not only that, when you're asking questions, listen to the answers and then work with them to find a solution. Because the, the main problem that leads to escalation is that right away control is taken away from the person needing help. And when somebody is in crisis, it means they lack control. So the main point is to give them as much control as they could get. And just simple things like offering them a glass of water or asking them if they, they need anything and just being there to support them. Interesting, very interesting. What's next for pro training and and the work that you're doing, Dr. Kramadine? So currently what's next is we've we've mainly focused on, I guess, we have an online training program for police. Now what's next is creating an online training program for all different areas of uh, customer service in that way so that we could kind of expand our, our reach in the online platform field. Interesting stuff. Dr. Kramadine, I want to thank you for joining me this afternoon and for your insight uh, into this world. I appreciate your time. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much, Dr. Yasmin Kramadine, the Director of Research and Development at Pro Training, which is an Edmonton-based organization that trains police forces and other groups, as you just heard, how to de-escalate confrontations. Uh, you can find uh, their website, uh, their website at protraining.com. And um, Dr. Kramadine also has done, um, you know, when you talk about work with police officers, uh, paramedics, that sort of stuff, you know. She's done a lot of work with uh, homeless as well, uh, those with uh, with uh, mental health issues. And so all of that expertise turning around and being shared with police, and, and you know it and I know it, we've been talking about this for, what, five, six, seven days now, and we've been hearing the calls for de-escalization training. And it's, and it's interesting that uh, one of the world's best, if not the world's best, is living right here and working right here. And her company is based right here in Edmonton.